seven years he was working in order to marry Rachel, worked another seven years in order to marry Rachel, then Laban asks him to stick around for another six years, and it's, it's time for him to move on. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, HaKadosh Baruch Hu comes to Yaakov in a dream. Vayom Hashem al Yaakov shuv al Eretz Abay Sachal ulamay ladatecha. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, go back Go back. The A.M. The A.M. The problem is that Yaakov was married. There's those of us who have gotten married to tell you that if you want to make big changes in your life before you get married, it's much easier to do that. He has to uproot himself. He's married, Rachel and Leah. He's had 11 children. So Yaakov calls his wife. He calls his wives. He calls... Rachel and Leah to the field. <coughs> and he tells them the following. I'm looking, I'm seeing the face of your father, the face of Lavan. I don't feel as accepted by Lavan as it used to be. It's not like the good old days. And he tells him, you know how hard I work. I worked for your father so hard, and he swindled me and cheated me on and on. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu came to me, Amalek HaLokim came to me in a dream last night and told me, um, it's time to go back. Are you ready to go home? Are you ready to go back? So Rachel and Leah hear the drasha, and they say, they say to him, Batan Rachel Valeah. The Rachel and Leah respond, and they say, we don't have a nachla and a chelik beveis avinu. Ha'od lanu chelik v'nachla beveis avinu. He's also treating us like we're strangers. So if Hashem told you that we should go back, let's go back. This is basically the conversation for those who just joined us. Yaakov Avinu, after being in Beis Lavan for 20 years, HaKadosh Baruch speaks to him in a dream, and HaKadosh Baruch tells him it's time to go back. He calls his wives to the field and he says, I don't feel comfortable, I feel I'm mistreated. Your father swindled me. I've done everything I can. I've worked so hard. And nevertheless, the way he's treating me is so difficult. HaKadosh Baruch told me to go back. What do you say? Should we go back? And they say, we've also been mistreated. We feel that he's not. He's treating us like an like we're not even part of the family. So if Hashem said, we should go back, let's go back. And the, the question is obvious. What in the world is going on? <coughs> the Bansham tells you to do something, you do something. Of course we're going to go back. What is this dialogue? What is this whole conversation? That's the question. They leave. Lavan chases after them. Lavan eventually catches up to them, and he has a taina. He says, "Why, Why did you leave in such a stealthy way?" He says, "That you told me I would have sent you away with simcha, with shirim. Would have made a whole musical um, goodbye." I wanted to kiss my children, my daughters, my grandchildren. You didn't let me kiss them. All of us know these psokim. It's very, very busy about this. And Yaakov doesn't respond to it. Eventually, they have the standoff. Rabban Shalom, he tells Lavan, don't start up with Yaakov. 
very first thing the next morning. He doesn't make a suit prayer. There's no shirim, there's no tupin, but he does kiss them. Lavan gets that kiss in, and that's the end of the story. Why is he so loud? Why is he so focused on, on, on the shirim, on the Sudas Prada, on the kissing? So I saw something from Rishim Shempinkas that made a tremendous rush, and it's in the, the, the safer they put out, Tivera Shemshin, in Parshas Vayetz, and he says a tremendous, tremendous Yisod. I'll say it my way, but this is, this Torah is his. There are two ways that Gayim attack Yid. There are two threats that we have from God. One threat is an overt threat to destroy us, to hurt us, to annihilate us. There's another threat, which is when they come to bring us close, to assimilate us, to make us a part of their culture. Since the beginning of next week's parsha, Yaakov Avinu Davin Satsileni Miyad Achi Miyad Esav. Hakadosh save me if he comes to me as Achi, as my brother, and save me if he comes to me as Esav or Rasha. Either way is dangerous. We, uh, we say in L'cha Daidi, V'hoyu l'mshisa shaysayich v'racha kukal mevalayich. We talk about two types of guy, shaysayich and mevalayich. The shaysayich are the ones who want to plunder us and destroy us and put us down. Mevalayich are the ones who want to swallow us into them. So what should happen to those who want to break us? Let them be broken. V'hoyu l'mshisa shaysayich. And the mevalayich, v'racha let them just go away. They're trying to assimilate us. Let us keep a distance. There are two ways that Gaim come to attack. Lavan, his approach, the Lavan's approach was, he wanted them to be a part of his culture. We never find that he tried to kill Yaakov. We never tried to, he wanted them to stay with him. And even if they had to leave, the time came that they had to leave, they were going to leave with a kiss. The Medrash says in Parsha Shmois that the reason that there are four types of kisses one, of the, one, one type of a kiss is when you're saying goodbye. Another type of a kiss is when you see somebody you haven't seen for a long time. A kiss means I'm connecting to you. I feel so connected to you in the deepest way. Um, a person's mouth is the organ that he uses to express his panemias. The thoughts, the emotions that are going on, I can express with my mouth. So there's a kiss. When I'm saying goodbye, we're, we're remaining connected. The reason for all the music that, you know, that Lavan wanted to play. Same reason we have Malava Malka after Shabbos. Shabbos is over, but still feel the Kedusha Shabbos. We're, taking, you know, we're being Malava the Malka. We're carrying the Shabbos into the week. Lavan said, if you have to leave, you're going to leave with me. You're going to leave being nostalgic to the life that you had together with me. You're going to feel... You, I want you to miss the Zaini Lavan, Grandpa Lavan, whatever they called him. I want you to miss it. I want you to take that with you when you leave. Yaakov Avinu knew that the Rabbani Shalom says, you need to leave Lavan and come back to Eretz Yisrael. You need to leave base Lavan. You can't bring base Lavan with you. If you're making the trip, you're coming back to Eretz Yisrael, I'm not just asking you to relocate physically. You have to emotionally disconnect yourself. So Yaakov Avinu doesn't know if his wives are ready for this yet. So when he calls them into the field, he says to them, I feel that I have no place over here. I'm not going to miss this place at all. I've been mistreated. I've been swindled. I've been, I've been stepped upon. I don't feel any connection to this place. I know that if I'm leaving, I'm able to completely leave this behind. What about you? They say back to him, we don't have any emotional attachment to this place. So if the Rabbana Shalom says it's time for us to go back, we could go back and we're leaving it all behind. We're never going to be looking back and, and, and thinking, oh, remember the good old days. Remember the good old days in Beislavon. We're not going to be... We're able to completely leave it. It's not that 
Oh, so we have no connection, so Mamela, let's go back. Of course we're going to listen to the Tzibu Yashem. Bansham says it's time to go back, of course we're going to do it. But we have to be able to leave it behind. And they were saying that they were capable of doing it. <laughs> Lavan didn't give up. Lavan chased them, and eventually he gave that kiss. Yaakov Avinu is afraid. He sees where Lavan's going. They put up a mound of stones. Yaakov calls that mound of stones Galei. And the Torah Tasha makes a point of telling us that Lavan gave it a different name. Lavan gave it an Aramaic name, Yegar Sa'adusa, which is the Aramaic of Galei. So he also called it Galei. Why does the Torah tell us that he called it Yagar Sahadusa? The Megala Amukha says a fascinating thing. He says, the point of making that mound was, Lavan, you stay there, we're on the other side. We can't mix, we can't blend, we can't mesh. But something happened, Yagar is the Gematria 2.13. Something happened in the year Yagar. The second base Amikdash was around for, 200, for, for 420 years. Mamish in the middle of the tkuf of the second base Amikdash, in the 213th year, the Yavanim came in, they reached Yerushalayim, they reached the base Amikdash, and they brought a chazer, they brought a, a, a pit as a carbon in the base Amikdash. You can bring your sheep, it's fine, there's room for all of us, we're going to do this together. You do your sheep, we'll bring our pit, it'll be all nice. There's room for everybody. You'll respect our culture, we'll respect yours. Lavan was saying, I'm ready to have this mound. It's going to last until the year Yagar. That's the, that's the Kiddush of the Megala Hanukkahs. Until the year Yagar. Comes the year Yagar, already at that point. I'm not giving up. So Rav Pincus ends his shtickle by saying, as some of the guys would say over here, he's charif. Yeah, he is. And he says, he's, he's convinced that the fact that you could find sometimes a house and find a Svarim shrine and right next to that a television set is because we're still feeling the kiss. We're still feeling the kiss. He says he's Baruch Kachama, that had Lavan not been successful in giving that kiss, we would have no desire whatsoever to be connected to the Messiah. Right now, we're in the month of Kislev, we're getting ready for Hanukkah. Hanukkah is an incredible yantaf, a beautiful yantaf. Yeshiva's Masiba is Tuesday night. Everybody's going to be here for the whole thing. They tell me looking forward. Lots of people looking forward. Mitzvahem, tremendous aliyah, tremendous divrei Torah, tremendous matzah. Everybody's going to be here from the beginning to the end. It's a davar pasha. But in order to appreciate the Yeshua, sometimes a person needs to understand what are we celebrating? What are we saved from? What was so bad about the Greeks? They would have been pretty proud of a lot of us. They respected our culture, and they wanted us to respect theirs, and they said we could do it together. We could do it together. Together we could create this matzah of everybody doing it. You could learn, you could have your sperm shank, and you could have your TV set. It's definitely something for us to think about. If the Rabbana Shalom would tell us right now, go back to Eretz Yisrael, leave base lava, leave base lava behind, what are we leaving behind? Are we able, would we be able to make that trap? How much of, of, of the things that we do anyway? All of us, all of us are in yeshiva. But are we in yeshiva? Are we living Yiddish? Are we living... Is this Yiddishkeit or is it Yiddishkeit with? Is it hyphenated Yiddishkeit? Is it hyphenated learning? I'm learning with. I'm, I'm, I'm a learner. This kind of... I'm a learner and. Of course, many guys here go to school. Many guys go to college. People here who, who work also, and that's, all that is fine, but who am I? 
Am I a hyphenated Ben Torah? Am I a hyphenated Talmud Chachem? Or am I a Ben Torah? I'm a Yid, I'm a Talmud Chachem. Who happens to? This is something I happen to do as well. It's a subtlety. It's a subtlety if there's a hyphen or it's there without a hyphen. I want to do... Motion, we have a few minutes. I wanted to try to give a, a little bit of an etzah. Some of us are learning after Davin, um, some Ali Shur. Something that made a huge rush, and we've been learning the last few days, and I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to share this with you. This part's not the Ali Shur, but it, hopefully if we have time, you know, we can get to it. At the beginning of the parasha, we all know that Lavan, so the Yaakov Avinu comes to Haran, he's coming to look for a wife. He comes to comes to the Be'er, and there's this huge rock on top of the Be'er. Yaakov, you know, lifts up the rock. All the all the Ryan would gather in the round until everybody would be there. They could all push it off together, and Yaakov lifts it up. There's a tremendous Rashi on that passage. Rashi says, why does the Torah need to tell us? Like somebody lifts up a, a, a cork from a, uh, from a bottle. Why does the Torah need to tell this? Just to let you know that Yaakov had a lot of strength. It's a positive. It's a Rashi. To tell you that Yaakov, really, he was really strong. A lot of the Mepharshim ask, why do I need to know that he was really strong? Why is that such a virtue? The Yavanim worship physical strength. They worship races. They worship competition. The physical competition. You were in your thirties. You were in your prime. After that, everything was a decline. Why did? Why does the pasuk need to tell us One of the pshat and one of the biurim was a, a tremendous, tremendous fear. I saw the sefer Darfei Musar. Really, really recommended from Rav Naiman. He says that Yaakov Avinu at that point was, in a certain sense, was at a very, very low point in his life. He had to run away from home. He was a homeboy. He was an Ishtam Yeshav Ahalim. He was 63 years old, was always at home. He never went away. He never played out. His brother was in the field. He never left home. His brother's trying to kill him, wants to kill him. His nephew robs him blind, takes everything away from him, including his clothes. Nothing. Oh, my son, the Medrash, how Yaakov Inus, he couldn't just stand there, so he went into a river. The river's coming up to his neck, and um, a soldier comes into the river, takes off his clothes, and goes to swim and drowns. So Yaakov's got something to wear. Fine. So he goes. But, but this is it. He's lost everything. There's no money. He comes to a new place. He might find a wife. But imagine, he's, he's, he's off his game. He wants to, wants to just try to be nice to people. The first thing he's giving them was, it's the middle of the day. What are you guys doing? Yaakov doesn't lose himself. He, he, he's on his game the whole time. When a person, if anybody's ever gone through an issue, anybody's ever gone through, through a worry, anybody's ever gone through a tzara, to, you know that I've been there, you know, often, often we're off our games. A person, let's say, could, a person could run a certain speed, a person could lift a certain weight. But if I'm tarot and I'm busy, I, I, I'm, I'm not at my full strength, I'm not at my full prime. Rav Yaakov Naiman says, you know why it says, Godel is to tell you that even at this point, he had all his strength, he was fully in control. He lost everything. <coughs> this was at a very, very vulnerable point. Maybe you're going to find the Shidduch in a foreign land. Lost everything. His brother's trying to kill him. All his Kayach was there. 
Yaakov didn't lose it. I was thinking maybe at the end of the parsha, that's why he tells his wife, you should know, <coughs> even throughout the 20 years, he was abusing me, he was treating me. I was b'chol k'aychi. I didn't lose it. I, how does a person maintain that? And this is just, we have two minutes, just want to speak about that. How does a person maintain that? How am I able to do it? I, I am living in a society with other values. I, 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 how, how does a person do it that I'm not in? How do I remain strong? How do I not lose it? So Revolve has a great Eitzah. And his great Eitzah is, a person has to work on Seder, on being in the Seder. A person has to know, when I wake up in the morning, what is my schedule? Where am I at? What's my general plan? What's my specific plan? I don't have to be rigid. Because in life, sometimes you have to switch. And sometimes things come up. But a Masudadik person then just switches the rhythm. So it's not that rhythm, it's going to be a different rhythm. But I have to be, live my life with a rhythm, with a beat, with a Seder. Where are things going? Where are things headed? When a person lives with Seder, a person lives a Masudadik life, let's even say one of the examples that we gave. A person has a plan. This morning, I'm going to be in the base Medrash for an hour and a half without speaking a word. Nothing's going to happen. It's all... And then 15 minutes later, he gets an important phone call. He has to take the call. How did he know? Somebody else is looking in the box. He saw the phone. Okay, he found out about it. He's got it done. So a person who's not a Masudar Dikr person, what happens? He had a Seder, but he's not a Masudar Dikr. He's off his game now. I had a plan. It didn't work out. He's not into the conversation. He doesn't deal with that properly. He comes back. The whole thing's a mess. But a person who's a Masudar Dikr person, so what happens when he gets that phone call? If it's something that he has to take, so now I've got to be focused on this and do this well. And if I do that well, I realize now this right now, if something gets a priority, so I make a conscious decision. I have to take care of this matter. I'll take care of it. As soon as I'm finished with that, then I'm able to go back to, the, to whatever else I was doing because it was done with a Seder. When a person's mavul, a person's without a Seder, a person lives a life of, of e-Seder, then a person unfortunately could lose himself. Seder is just foreign... Uh, Call this, call this me the Ishtavas. Ishtavas is that I have equilibrium. I have a mahal. I have a plan. person who has, lives with Bitachan has a much easier time doing this. To be clear in where my mahal is, what am I going, why am I doing it. And hopefully if we mechazek ourselves in this, we could um, be successful. Two and a half weeks, two weeks We'll be ready to start kindling those iris and celebrating the victory, but understand what we're fighting and hopefully to be successful in the fight.